Welcome to GA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson, along with my co-host, Jimmy Lee. Stevie ceiling a little under weather. It's not true, she's just in the other room. So this is one of those rare episodes that's good. No, that's a joke. It actually is good, but um, recorded today. Finally caught up with Warren Bates. God's own race director and a hell of a racer in his own right. Kind of, well, you'll hear the story, but kind of chasing him around the world for a while. Uh, Skype was not our friend today, but I don't think it, uh, you don't miss anything. It's just a little bit annoying. So power through it. You'll be fine. Uh, The other thing I wanted to mention is... um, Especially maybe for people coming to Cowboy Tough, uh, Primal Quest, um, Adventure Racer Gear Bazaar group on Facebook, uh, trying to get that going. So maybe if you're coming here, you can find somebody you can borrow some gear from or buy some gear here or not have to bring it. And then hopefully if we get it uh, going enough, we can kind of do that. Going other way, other way, uh, the other way across the oceans. So, you know, maybe we, if everybody saved a dollar in adventure racing, I could have a pizza. So, um, just be aware of that. I'll put the link in this week's show notes. <laughs> the, the other thing in kind of the same vein is uh, the adventure race teammate finder page. Um, we got like. 750 members of the group and I think we've had some uh, some uh, matches made there for races so that's kind of cool um, so if you haven't been there and you might be looking for somebody to race it's a lot of times especially well that's not true there's probably half and half people looking to put teams together for races and um, you know last minute people and somebody gets sick so I know there's actually one on there right now for Expedition Africa, which might be a little hard to get to unless you're there, and a couple of Primal Quest teams looking, some people trying to put teams together. So give those a look. Um, Full disclosure, we don't get any money from that, just the same as the podcast. How about that? So. That oh, that's what I keep forgetting is somebody go to iTunes and give a like. I just keep it'd just be kind of fun because nobody's done it since like episode three when Grant Killian did it. So, um, and as always, you can always donate. Blah blah blah. If you want to sponsor, we can work something out. But it doesn't really matter because I just keep doing it anyway, right? So. That's enough of my rambling. Let's get to see what Warren has to say. And I think there was some interesting stuff said about um, racing and God's Zone and where the sport is going. So go fast, take chances, and enjoy your burrito. Are you there? Hello? Hey. Oh, hey, mate. How are you going? I'm doing good. As soon as 
I do that. <laughs> yeah. I had to get the, I yeah, had to get the right, right, yeah, the right preset so I wasn't listening to myself. So, <laughs> you know, I keep saying it. How many years do I got to do this before I get it right? I'm sure you've done a few of these now. Yeah, I still don't get it right every time. <laughs> so how's things? You good? Good. Being busy, having fun, wishing I was... Well, maybe I don't wish I was in the in the down covering the race. It sounds pretty miserable down there, down in South America. Uh, I'm on in South America. And I saw you. I saw you doing some tiling or something. Yep, that's actually what I've been working on. So, just to make it more interesting, we made it an interesting angle that doesn't match anything in the world. <laughs> it looks interesting. I don't mind tiling. I never thought it Grouting at the end was a complete time. Yeah, that's tile is fun, grout is not. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, it'll be. You got to get it all cut, and then we're going to put um, heat in the floor, so then I can do that. So. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Enough of this old house. Yeah. So, what the heck have you been doing the last six months that I've been chasing you around the world? It seems like. Um, well, obviously, God's Own is a fairly uh, consuming process in the book stuff. Then, and then, um, you know, post traumatic, post event traumatic stress disorder, and then really sort of opted to sort of take five weeks and deliver some value back to the family. And um, we've just been on a bit of a ticky tour around Europe, and um, um Recently, myself with a wife, and um, yeah, try not to be selfish <laughs> just for a while, to be honest, and um, <laughs> having a nice time. Yeah, well, um, I think you deserve it. I think everybody would agree to that. So, it, it's not like you <laughs> had to go and hide out from everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, true. There's been a few of those races, I guess, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I think, you know, generally the event went really well. And um, I think it's something I definitely learned from my life in the corporate world, sort of coming back into sort of running my own company, I guess, is that I, I really do believe that I do most of my really creative thinking. What, you know, when I'm not first in it, I need space. And um, you know, just an opportunity to sit down with a book or go for a run somewhere and sort of wonder about something and then. You know, then you build the bones around that idea, and I think you can do that when you've got, you know, some spare time about, you know, yourself. Whereas, if you're in the nine to five grind and you're sort of very task driven, I just, I just felt that it's just much harder to be creative and, and come up with the right ideas for, you know, for the event. So, mm -hmm. even though I can sort of, sort of say, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit foot off the gas. I'm still thinking, still trying to come up with ways to sort of innovate with what we're doing. So um, it's you know you never really step away from it in entirety. Yeah, I I know what you're saying. Are you kind of like you, you go out and do a bike ride or a run or something, but you're not really thinking about it, but it's subconsciously are, and all of a sudden things will come to you. Yeah, that's I, what happens with me. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. I, I mean, I've often will come off the back of a run or be somewhere toodling along and I'll come up with some ludicrous sort of 
scenario and it just seems absolutely a fantastic idea and then I'll get back and I'll go right I'm going to email that out to the teams I think this will work and they all come back and say that, that's just bonkers that's just never going to work and I might go yeah I'm not sure what I was thinking at the moment but it seemed great on the rhythm <laughs> and then and other days I might be out on the bike or whatever it is and I think oh you know this and you know, I only say you you just you know if you can get one good idea out of 20 and you're mm-hmm. coming up with ideas on a regular basis then you you know you're going to make and you've got a good team around you and you pick the right ones then you know ultimately you've, you've got to move forward and make the right progressions but um you know i think and that's a little bit around like what we try to do with god's own i can't speak for other events but i i i've definitely felt that in the wider sphere of things there's definitely been you know without casting the stone at the world series too much too early in this interview that too much of the focus has been or, you know, focused on preaching to the converted. It's like, you know, we're talking with rules or mandatory gear, a bit like that, which, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, really only matters to the people who've already, already embedded in this in five years. And whereas what really excites me or gets me excited is about how do I bring through 10 years of adventure races and um, doing things within our race that makes people go, wow, I saw this on TV, I'm going to do that next year, or I saw that last year, and I want to be there next year, or, you know, hey, I'd love my kids to get involved with that. It looks super exciting, and it's the sort of confidence-boosting sport that I really love them to do, and that's the sort of creative thinking I want to do. It's about preaching to the newbies, and whilst giving those people who are established adventure races a great experience. So that's where I hope my creative thinking is sort of working on at the moment, really. Yeah, just, just pushing it to that that next level it is kind of funny because i've been talking to some relatively new racers and they're still they're going back to the eco challenge and old primal quest on youtube and and getting excited that way so um yeah i look at it and say what you know what gets you off the couch or you know from triathlon to event racing whatever it is it isn't someone telling you that they've modified the gear list so that you can take or that we've changed the rules from you have to be within 100 meters of somebody so that you have been walking distance yeah i mean that might be applicable to the top five or six seven teams in the world who care about that but it never got anybody off their ass to come out and race what really excites people and why they keep going those old videos is because they did really exciting things and then you look mm-hmm. at the championships and go where were the really exciting things that were on tv where were the really exciting things that made people sort of sit on the edge of the seat and go oh my god that was that looks amazing that's just full on and that's going to make me go and do it you know i just don't, i think there's just been an absolute dart of that over the last x number of years and the events aren't investing in that high octane high excitement adrenaline kind of stuff and it makes it boring and you know it was it was easier for Eco Challenge and Primal Quest back in the day because they weren't competing against other extreme sports. Yeah. It was the nth level. And you've got to think, adventure racing is competing against wingsuiting and all the other unbelievable racing sports out there. And it can be done in films on a much lower budget. And we're not even close. So, you know, if you want to kind of say we've got to pinch a certain percentage of people, you know, in our sport to get them excited and get them out there, you've got to offer them something. And I think it's too moribund, and that's not what we want to do at God's Own. Yeah. Well, what what is it that you want to do? Um, 
Well, <laughs> that's a simple question, huh? Well, yes, ultimately, without you know going into the full pitch for next year's event, but I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I would compare and contrast. I mean, look what we've just done in Queenstown. Um, you've done, if you're someone watching, we've done, you've done ropes, you've done grade five rafting, you've done proper canoeing, you've done kayaking, you've been in pretty kind of exposed locations. You come away from that event and go, geez, you know, we've seen a fair bit of pretty amazing country. It's been exciting. It's been well meteorized. You know, that it was, you know, well run. And you could come away from that and say, that's a pretty good showcase of the, of the region. And people would have come away from that excited. And people watching that would have been excited and thought, yeah, I want to do that. Um, and that's what we want. And that's why I think we're having success in bringing you know, more youngsters through and new entrants through in New Zealand because they genuinely see the product that we're offering and think they want a bit of it. Um, whereas I think, again, over the last few years, I'm just looking around at some of the other races and going, you know, you watch the photos of someone walking along a 4 by 4 track, you know, after 40 hours of trekking along a road. It's like, that isn't going to get people adventure racing. You know, it just, you know, you could just, you might as well film someone sticking forks in their legs. It's just... Yeah. It's just boring. And, um, you know, with with what we're trying to do with, you know, the next chapter of the event in Fjordland is, you know, and again, take it to another level. You know, put people in exciting, exhilarating, full-on locations and give them the adventure of their lives that they're going to want to weigh and talk about and allow ourselves to a way to meteorize that so that there's just another wave of youngsters coming through going, I want to do that. That just looks amazing. Yeah, well, it does look amazing. Um, ten day race next year is that just simply because of the terrain, or is that you think uh, kind of a next step in the race? No, I think it, I think it is a it's a reflection of the terrain. I think you know, um, I mean, obviously, I'd never say never um, in terms of we may come up away from it at the end and say, wow, that's. That's a format that really works. I mean, who's uh, you couldn't come away from the end of it and go, well, there is a God's own ultimate, there is a God's own pure, and there is a God's own pursuit which sits within the one event, and there is a 10-day, a 7-day, and a 5-day. Um, but I don't think, we're not thinking like that at the moment. I, I think it's very much around the idea that Jordan is such a wild and vast area that you, know, you just, if you had a winning time for the leading team at three and a half days, it'd barely scratch the surface. And um, I think the way that the logistics work out, I mean, as you can imagine, I think Fjordland is only populated with a full-time population of 48 people. You know, there aren't huge numbers of um, logistical points to get gear in. So that naturally lends itself to long stages. Mm -hmm. Long stages mean, you know, long durations. So, you know, I think, you know, if anybody coming to the event can expect something pretty wild, something pretty full on, but, you know, that 10-hour trek of old might become a 30-hour trek. And, you know, that that's, it's just, in, in essence, will lengthen what they do. But, you know, ultimately, it'll, it'll, it'll feel very Jordan-like, and I think that's the right, it's the right call to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you're just not making it 10 days to say it's 10 days. Yeah. No, God, because, I mean, it's probably the worst 10 days of my life during the year. It's very stressful, <laughs> And I don't particularly enjoy it. So I can't see much upside in length just because I've got you know, some vanity project. I, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's purely a decision on the fact. Yeah. I think that 
you know, he had, if you tried to do three and a half days winning time in, in Fjordland, you'd come away from him and you'd go, God, we didn't even get, you know, 5% of the, we didn't even get into the middle. You know, you wouldn't, you just wouldn't even touch the side. Yes. Um, yes. So, um, and, you know, all that you'd end up doing is convoluting some force on the periphery. And, you know, if you're someone coming up from, from the US or you're some you know, diehard Kiwi adventure race, you'd feel short-changed with something like that. So um, it isn't really, it isn't a sort of trumpet to the past of like, here we go again, it's an old eco challenge. It's it's just something I think the courses really should reflect the, the nature of the terrain and the environments that people are racing in. And I, and I just think Fjordland is such a special place. It just, it lends itself to a 10-day race. Well, sounds cool. So for those of us that are idiots, where where is Fjordland at? Oh, sort of deepest, darkest, southern really New Zealand and okay. um, uh, it's a pretty wild place as I say it's got a it's probably one of the largest provinces sort of in New Zealand and um, was recognized some time ago by UNESCO as a world heritage area because of its outstanding beauty and um, it is a very unique and rugged environment and it'll certainly be very challenging but it's just amazingly spectacular and untouched mm. and um yeah, I, I, I think it'll offer up something very special for people, you know, and it certainly won't be easy. Um, it'll be a, it'll be a tough race, um, but you know, ultimately, I think we all know that you know tough, <laughs> tough can make things the most rewarding. So yes, um, the cost for that really. Yeah. So, um, what was I going to say? Do, do you think you have a really good advantage? You can try things because. You're probably going to sell out no matter what you do. Does, does that help you? Um, good question. Um, I, I wouldn't know if I've got, you know, can't want to do whatever we'd like to do. Um, I think after chapter three, I remember seeing the Chris Bourne, and Chris was a bit like, oh, and I was a bit surprised when you chose Kaikoura. And then you, it was a stunning course, and they came away and they felt that that whole event would be pieced together so well. And I kind of felt then that they were like, okay, we've got an element of trust. You guys are going to make the right call. And, you know, with things like the Pursuit Race, there's been such a success. And so many people now are just saying, God, we love this supported format. It's a real great feeder for us into something we wouldn't have touched before. And people trust us on delivering quality media content, the tracking works, the site, the website, everything works and, and you know we're now into year seven you know so we've had six years of delivering pretty bomb proof um, and so I mean I guess that does give us some people trust us to deliver yeah um, but um, yeah well it's, it's, yeah. it's too outrageous um, but yeah I don't I'm definitely not doing this just to keep doing same old same old I, I think you know particularly in the consumer market that we live in at the moment that if you don't evolve constantly you just you know you're dead before you know it you know the sport and our event has to continue to evolve yeah that's true um well since you brought up evolving we'll we'll go back here does it seem like a lifetime ago when all the Hoopla and all the stress came when you announced that you were leaving the World Series. <laughs> I mean, it was such. I, I, were, were you surprised what a big deal it was? 
I always have a laugh over these sort of things. I mean, the most active people on social media are the ones who make the biggest uproar about it, are the ones usually the ones who know the least amount and (laughs) they're the first to react. And you read what's been chuckle and just go, wow, okay, that's interesting. You haven't got any, you haven't got the facts. You've just listened to somebody else's report on something and then made up something else and you just chuckle. But, and ultimately, I don't think that, you know, I, I, I'm actually the sport as a whole has suffered because nobody talks about it. And I don't care whether it's good or bad. If people are talking mm-hmm. about adventure racing or talking about God's own, at least people care, you know, for good or bad. Yeah. Um, we've had over the last, not certainly five, the last three or four years of the, the prior five season. No one was talking about it because no one cared anymore. The only thing you had to say was saying, well, that race is pants or that was a complete bloody shambles. Um, and, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I mean, cry. I mean, I say I look at it and just think, you know, this isn't, you know, we didn't join the firm. It's not, it's not, you can't leave, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason yeah. that we'd made a decision. And I think most people would know that we hadn't been overly excited about the World Series for quite some time. Yeah. At some point we made the decision that this is just no longer appropriate for us to be part of the series. And, um, oh, I've got no major have a narrative and you know you've only got to look at soccer and you know i'm sure it's no different in the nfl and things that you know i i'm i'm sort of almost conspiracy theorist so i'm firmly of the belief that they don't introduce a lot of the technology that they could because they love the narrative that comes from shit that happens on a pitch and they don't want to remove that because the moment you make the sport 100 percent scientific and you know no margin of um error then the dialogue stops, and that's what makes soccer such an amazing game. And yeah. I think that's the big problem that we've had in the bench race, and there is no dialogue. There's no dialogue between races. There's not a lot of dialogue between, you know, just just people talking. And so, mm-hmm. like, for a moment, there was people talking about it. That's good. You chat about it. It's fine. Well, that's one way to look at it. Probably, probably a good way to look at it. Do you think that the sport sort of suffers because... How do I want to put this? There's there's nobody cr- looking at the sport with a critical eye. I, you know, bad things tend not to get called out. I mean, the racers might know, but and and is that good or bad? Um. Well, I think it's very hard for people to complain because. Yeah. You know, ultimately, the sport for such a long period of time has not been in a position of strength. And, mm. you know, you don't want to hack away at something which is already looking precarious. Yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult. And, um, you know, sometimes you know that some of the races which have been pretty abject, but, you know, those races deserve to be hosed. But ultimately, you know, you're kind of pooping on your own patch. And it's, you know, you do that, you worry about that when you're not in a position of strength. And, um, and I think that does create the problem because we just continue on with the same thing. But I mean, I've been a vocal critic, but I, I think the sport hasn't been led from the top very well. I think I think there's been a lack of vision. There's not a coherent strategy for how the sport moves forward. And I say that I, there's a lot of fussing around at the edges, and I kind of feel a little bit like this with the stuff that's gone on with tinkering with the World Series. It's like saying that. It's the cottage on the on the fringe of the village, and someone's out there tending the garden, they're mending the rules, and doing that. They don't. They've forgotten the fact is that over the top of the hill, the city's burning to the ground, and it's like, look, 
you know, you need, we need to look at the bigger picture here. And the bigger picture is, is that we need a steady stream of new entrants to the sport. We need to get people excited about adventure racing again and, you know, join that up with coherent media, coherent mm-hmm. uh, kind of work with sponsors. And maybe we'll make some growth, you know, progress, but I think far too much stuff is concentrated on preaching to those who are already converted to the sport. And that's, there's just no long-term future in that. Uh, you know, we're just dealing with the top five or six teams who often don't even pay to go to races. They're like, why would you bother? Yeah, yeah that's, well, you know, how many times have we had the conversation, right? <laughs> is it is it just a matter of just keep plugging away and, and trying things and, 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 yeah, just keep after it? Um. Well, I don't know. I mean, every race is doing. I think you know. I guess people have you know kind of have alluded to the idea of a federation, but I just don't think it's so flaky that it's hard to see how that has works. Yeah. And um, you talk to people who are like been great ambassadors for the sport over a long periods of time, like Nathan or Michael Lindnord, and I just don't feel with those guys that they've got a, a, a long term desire to really step up and take on something like that you know it's so soul-sucking that you know you're relying on someone who's kind of passionate about it but actually hasn't got maybe the clout that those sort of people have to move the sport in the right direction Mm -hmm. that falls on the race directors and most of the race directors are just about keeping their act together and just getting a race together let alone making any major changes so you know I, i don't know i just the World Series and others, I, I kind of feel like everyone's just really trying to keep the balls in the air long enough so that some Chinese billionaire comes along and starts <laughs> brand and throws it at it. And you just got to go, just got to keep doing this for another year and buy in. Come on, we just got to keep it. You know, and, and that's happening. You know, there's there are, you know, money going around sucking up brands like Cape Epic and Pioneer and other events. And, yeah. uh, you know, maybe that's that's maybe you'll just go. Oh, thank goodness! You know, the white knights here. You know, we've kept the ball up for five, six, seven years. We never really made any major difference, but now someone stepped up. They like the brand. We're going to put a couple of hundred thousand dollars into it each year, and we can actually start to create a coherent media platform across you know multiple events. And you know, maybe that would mark a sea change. Um, yeah. But as I say, to me, the fundamentals have got to come down to bringing new entrants into the sport and exciting them about what we're doing. Yeah. yeah, and that's that. That's what that means. More media, and that means more money, and we only get money if people get in. So, it's a hell of a circle. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've been in a sort of decent circle for quite some time, but really, I guess globally. But there's always outliers. I think things yeah. well in South Africa. Those guys run a pretty good race, and um, obviously things are going pretty well here. New Zealand, and it's not just God's own. I think we've done a great job, but um, you know, Nathan's Spring Challenge event, I believe that they were saying that the event coming up, they had 1,400 teams, uh, all female teams for that, and they turned 300 teams away, you know, for their event coming up in a few months' time. So yeah. I just, you know, there's, there's, there's appetite for it if you can generate the right product. You know, and I say there's definitely some hot spots um, in areas, but you know, the picture in other places like the UK is pretty abject. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, do you think, how, how important is technology to adventure racing? 
Um, yeah, well, I think it's very important. I mean, really, um, yeah, I can't, I mean, I, you know, we often kind of sit there and wonder how on earth Jeff used to run, you know, Southern Traverse for 15 years without, you know, online mapping and trackers and, just imagine a group of support crew sitting there, you know, talking to the organizer going, Well, when are the teams gonna arrive? And you go, No one's no one's tracked. You know. Yeah. Got we think they'll be here fifteen hours, but it could be forty. We don't know, you just wait. And I just you know, with social media, you know, it's just it's an amazing kind of platform what we've got. But I just gotta remember this adventure racing was developed in a period prior to all this and the dangerous for us is that we just don't move the time and you know that there are obviously some you know there would be resistance but i know michael Lindnord and stuff have definitely been an advocate of accepting gps into races and allowing that sort of technology breakthrough to come into the sport to modernize it but you know that's going to meet with some resistance and yeah. um i don't i don't have an easy answer to that um it's it's definitely yeah um, yeah. So about two weeks ago, some maybe three weeks ago, somebody innocently innocently posted on one of the Facebook pages, basically plotting or not plotting control points. And it, I mean, who would have ever thought that little question would have brought that much much uh, uh, discussion to it? But where do you do you think? I mean, you guys plot right for them, but do you think there's a there's a spot in the adventure world for teams plotting their own ra- own stuff? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, again, I just it's hard to know, really. I mean, I guess it's. We've got to focus on, you know, what is it that really gets people to get outside, but at the same time, you know, what is it that's going to bring new people through? And so many of the potential customers are so GPS savvy, mobile phone savvy, and so many of the sort of old ways of doing things with adventure racing, that whole secrecy thing, it just so flies in the face of, you know, how social media works. It's like, you know, we're trying to preserve a structure in the event where we don't tell anybody anything to the last minute, you know, in a world which is so media-obsessed, we're an absolute anomaly. And, you know, really what we should be wanting to do is get out as much information as quickly as possible and feed the machine. Um, but the, the nature of the race is almost opposite to that. Um, and it's not, yeah, it's, it's not an easy one to work out, but... But if, yeah, I mean, even if you put a course out, uh, you know, of course, local teams would have a huge amount. Um, but could you could you like, um, you know, keep it closed from them? You know, have it out and you know, just not let anybody be on the course and let people study. Do you, what do you think of something like that? You know, like embargo. Yeah. Well, I I actually think that. All the issues which are going on at the moment, largely regarding the changes of rules in the World Series and what we're talking about now, are much more problematic because the courses have become more suburban or urbanised in many rates. And because 
you know, you go back 20 years and you're racing in Kazakhstan or you're racing across Inner Mongolia. Do you really care if someone goes and someone sleeps in someone's house? Do you care if someone's not 100 metres with someone? Do you care if someone borrows someone else's bike? Do you care if you go and eat a meal with someone in the middle of the desert? Of course you don't. It's all part of the experience. But if you're running around the suburbs of some town in New South Wales and you're running past house after house after house and you're just going in and feeding yourself and sleeping with it, well, it makes a massive difference. And I say, and that, you know, you, again, it would be just more challenging for us developing a course in Queenstown with the relative communities there to keep the course away from those temptations, you know, versus somewhere like Fjordland where you know that once you set teams loose there, I could, you know, a bit like Pantanal, you could give them people the course six months before and people are going, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> oh, bloody hear what's going on and the water level might be three metres higher than we think so we're going to bloody paddle through it anyway when we thought we were going to walk you know Fjordland's yeah. like you know quite difficult for really to make an advantage but I say if you're you know running in, in suburban kind of surround of a city and there's 10 teams in that local area then yeah it makes a huge difference um, yeah. so and well then we won't big. do that <laughs> yeah yeah um. All right, we we've 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 uh, solved all those problems. What are what are you up to? What do you got coming going? You gonna do any racing? You gonna just have fun all year? <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, well, obviously we've launched God's Own now, so that gives me uh, a little bit of respite, but yeah. obviously some work. You know, it up to um, entries opening on the 1st of June. And then, you know, we're doing some great work at the moment behind the scenes with um, the sponsors. I get back to New Zealand on Sunday and they're really a pretty good few minor demands. You know, people like Sword Fox and whoever, we, you know, we know we're dealing with particularly at the moment on the website. You know, we've just completed a new website build. They've been brilliant with the branding and... You know, we've got, you know, phase two and phase three to come through and because you just want to keep pushing that technology thing forward. And, you know, like, that sort of it keeps me interested. But outside of that, um, yeah, I mean, there's TQ coming up and I've just got to work out in my mind that I'm kind of motivated enough to get out and go and do another race. And, um, yeah, highly sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so you're, you're coming back to PQ, same team, or who are you going to race with? Um, yeah, fine. Well, actually, earlier on, I was just chatting to, to Nick, and, um, we've obviously been over in Hirosinchi, and they just, I think they, they pulled out because the team, I think the girl on the team broke, broke her wrist or something, but, um, we were just chatting, and, yeah, we were just talking over PQ, so it's unlikely to be the same team, it's more likely to be. A normal team for us, I would say. Myself and the girl, probably Sarah, myself, Nick, and Tom. So it'll be a strong team. And um, yeah, we're just chatting through the the logistics of it now, really. So I mean, I guess I mean I've, I've got a lot of time for the guys at PQ. I think you know David yeah. and Maria of you know do things the right way, and I think it's you know, the right style of race. It's not formulaic. It's a proper expedition. You know, it's going to be pretty full on, and that sort of thing gets me more excited than. And then racing a 
you know, a race which is just based on a formula. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, literally, the last time I talked to you was was at Worlds at just after you had to drop out due to an injury. How hard is that when when that happens in a big race? I mean, you have no choice, but what what's what goes through your mind? Um. Well, I guess you go through various stages of emotions through it. I think you kind of, it was kind of one of those incredibly benign, kind of innocuous things, and we were sort of moving along pretty well. And, um, yeah, we're just running along the beach, and then Tom trips over and you know, extends the arm and breaks collarbone when he hits the ground. And yeah. I think we kind of deluded ourselves for another stage where we thought, oh, we'll be okay. And, um, it's you know it'll sort of disappear, but you know Tom had broken his collarbone, and it said, "Oh, it kind of feels the same." I'm sure this is not going to come right, and we were like, "Nah," you know, just you know, we'll just just keep your arm there for a bit, and by the time we get to the end of the kiting stage, you just sit there, and you know, by the end of the stage, if you've had a sleep, you'll feel better. But we got halfway through it, and we were like, "Oh, it was in agony," and we're like, "Okay, that's not going to work." So, yeah. um, no, no, I mean, I've done enough of these races. I think I've done thirty of them now. I think it's um, I'm fairly philosophical about these things. My immediate thought was, is, okay, done, get off the course, I want to go home and see my family. You know, I've been here, done the thing, didn't work out, get home. Yeah. Yeah, that, it, yeah, you have no choice in it. So, um, okay, I just got one, I just got one more because you're on vacation and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But um, I've been asking this question Oh, last maybe half dozen eight episodes I've done. It's a bucket list question. I hate the term, but it works. So, if you get to do one more race anywhere in the world, one, what race do you want to do? And you could pick it. You got to pick a team, but you can't pick anybody you've raced with ever. So, where do you want to go race, and who do you want to race with? Give me a little bit more time to think about it. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I should listen to more of your podcasts. <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you this: most, I think, most of them have picked God's Zone, and at least two of them have picked you as a teammate. Oh right, okay, And and one of them said, "Because while well, I'm paraphrasing, you're big and dumb and strong." <laughs> no. Oh, okay, right. You'll have to write that down and email who that was. I'll take it. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, it's kind of fun. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, oh, yeah, I guess it's, it's like when you say like race, are we talking an existing race? Are we talking a location? Any any race ever, any place. We're pretty loose on the rules. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm definitely not verging into the South America thing. I'm a little bit over jungles and the, the mud and the, the kind of thing. And I think hmm. I do like the mountains. So I'd probably be. That's kind of. I guess the, the thing where I most other races wouldn't even be thinking about it. But I, that's what just pulled me to the PQ thing. I do like that whole BC high mountain Rockies type thing. Um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Quite in Central Central Asia, I think coming in Mongolia or something.
something through that central kind of um, area would be amazing. Or even a part of Russia, you know, Urals or something like that would be quite incredible. Any good organising team, you know, with a bit of you know flair. And, you know, again, I'd say what you don't want is somebody who's just going to run off a standardised event. I think, you know, you know like us and, and PQ, they've got the right kind of ambition to put on something which is genuinely thrilling. So I'd definitely be happy to have organisers like that do it. Um, as for teammates, oh. hmm. probably, definitely given where I am in my life at the moment and the importance of actually doing something on a, from a social point of view, I'd probably like to race with Michael Lynn Nord. Never race with Michael. Um, oh, Petri Forsman. Yeah. Just want to think. Email. Mm. Yeah. Question on the female front. It's mm. kind of a fun game. Yeah, I just have to have a really good think about that. You know, at the moment, there's so many amazing female you know, Kiwis around. Um, but I'm kind of thinking of a team which would actually be reasonably solid. But that's quite a chuckle. Sort of, yeah. you know, entertaining. I mean, mm-hmm. like, the, like, the most amazing dry sense of humour. You know, it's just a complete loon. And Michael, obviously, is a real character. So you're obviously going to have a good team. You just need to have a female that fit well into that kind of yeah, kind of mindset. But um, yeah. Oh, you're just being a gentleman because you don't want to leave any any woman out. Probably not the wife again. You know, I might allow that, just even though it breaks the rules, because that makes for a happy household, right? Yeah, and no, I probably wouldn't do that again. But um, <laughs> yeah. they've done that. Um, yeah, no. there's so many amazing females around, and um, yeah, I'll yeah. Well, when you when somebody comes to you in the middle of a run, just email it to me, and I'll I'll just add it into my introduction. So, all right, I'm going to let you uh, go hang out with your family. How's that sound? That sounds great. And, um, yeah. yeah, and we. Um, we just hope to get you over to God's Run. I'll be pushing my hard to get you over. So, um, I think it will be an amazing spectacle. And um, yeah, yeah, Coming it looks like looks like an incredible area from the little bit I've seen. So yeah, it's gonna be amazing. So if not, well, or we'll see you in British Columbia before that. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that's probably the most likely place I'll see you. So, um, yeah, that's a All right, thanks. See ya. Okay, bye.